Welcome to Everyday Sublime, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer. I'm also a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. In each episode, I will offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes. And my hope is that these reflections will support both your practice and or your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. In this episode, I want to look at how a yin approach to meditation can soften some of the common tensions and conflicts that occur for people when they try to meditate. I'll be discussing how the relaxed receptivity in a yin approach to meditation, how this functions in meditation. And I'll also be looking at how it's really okay to let your mind wander in meditation. Finally, I'll look at how all aspects of the meditative process can serve greater learning and understanding about yourself. So let's get started. In any type of meditation, you will inevitably have experiences of conflict. This happens in any style that you might practice. At times you'll find yourself distracted, confused, bored or restless, sleepy or agitated. And different approaches to meditation will try to remedy these experiences of conflict in different ways. Yang approaches to meditation tend to remedy the conflict with an instruction that you'd follow. You might be told to recognize and label the conflict to let it go, without judgment of course, and then to gently bring your attention back to your meditative object. And at first glance, such advice sounds logical and wise. After all, why would you want to allow conflict and unpleasant things to proliferate in your meditation process, when you can just meditatively jujitsu them, only to come out on top, calmer and more peaceful? Isn't that the whole point? Well, yes and no. Long-term aspirations around meditation might include calm and peace, but your aspirations might also include the desire to develop wisdom and compassion. And by mechanically applying a yang technique to manage your conflict, you might inadvertently be developing skills of becoming more conflict avoidant. The yang meditator might not think of it that way though. After all, they're using a technique that is from a lineage of wise teachers. Nevertheless, by not allowing conflict to express itself in meditation, or by too quickly deploying a yang remedy for the conflict, you might not really get to know your mind in conflict very well. And as a result, you won't learn very much about the dynamics and conditions within your conflict. Now, with the yin approach to meditation, on the other hand, you will gently get to know your mind in conflict by establishing the intention to relax your mind within it. This isn't to say that you must relax your mind at all times, or that you will relax your mind at all times. That's just another unrealistic ideal. Instead, this yin approach acknowledges a general intention towards experience, or an attitude, one of relaxed receptivity. And this leaves room for resistance and conflict to brew. A common fear 
is that if the gates of your mind are open this wide, if the filters are this receptive, then the entire duration of your meditation will be filled with nothing but agitating conflict. Well, theoretically, that could happen. For myself and for the people I've worked with, occasionally we do have sessions that have quite a bit of conflict in them. But there's actually nothing wrong with that, per se. It's simply an honest appraisal of the truth of your own experience. But I should also say that this is rarely the case that the entire meditation is filled with conflict and angst. When your mind is given permission to be receptive to the total spectrum of experience and encouraged to relax within that process, where you don't try to push unpleasant things away, one of the things that relaxes is the resistance to conflict itself. I'm sure you've probably heard the old aphorism, that which you resist persists. Well, it's true in meditation too. If you resist conflict, it tends to just push back and dig its heels in even deeper. But if you are receptive and allowing of it, the conflict tends to shift and move, change and flow. It comes and goes more fluidly. Now the point of being receptive to conflict is not to deploy a clever strategy for making it go away. Like, oh look, if I'm relaxed and receptive to difficult things, they tend to go away more readily. Great. No, the point of it all is that by being tolerant and receptive towards conflict, you can come to know it more intimately. And such knowing is the basis for more wisdom in your life. Frequently a common question comes up. But if I'm really receptive to things coming up into my meditation, then my mind will drift and wander and I won't be in the present moment. That can't be right. Or can it? So let's look at the experience of wandering in meditation. For many people, one of the most challenging aspects of a yin approach to meditation, at least initially, is the experience of drifting off or wandering mind, or getting lost in their thoughts while meditating. For many folks, this experience seems at odds with what meditation is all about. That is, getting grounded and clear in the present moment. Yet, if we give preference to receptivity in our minds, if we relax enough to loosen our grip of trying to control our experience, if we truly allow ourselves to be led by the flows of our unfolding experience, then it's inevitable that part of what will happen is that our minds will wander. And in another lesson called What About the Present Moment, I'll tackle some of the common limiting conceptions of what the present moment means and how a yin approach to meditation invites a more fluid and open sense of what the present moment includes. But for now, I'd like to remind you of what a yin approach will emphasize and also what it will de-emphasize. Basically, a yin approach to meditation is giving priority to yin qualities of mind, such as receptivity, allowance, gentleness, and reflection. And this preference is given over more yang qualities, qualities such as control, manipulation, and focus. A yin approach will de-emphasize control. It will de-emphasize crisp clarity, and it will loosen any rigid sense of what it means to be present. And so in de-emphasizing these meditative priorities, it creates more freedom and permission within the practice for the mind to wander and drift. Normally, wandering and drifting are deemed inappropriate or unacceptable, and they are seen as problematic behaviors that need to be overcome or redirected. In fact, the meditation world is filled with degrading jargon for the mind's tendency to think. Chattering mind, monkey mind, 
ADHD mind. These are common monikers given to this pattern of the mind. But another way of looking at these patterns is that they too are simply part of your natural inner experience. And they are every bit as important. They are a rich landscape of experience that you can come to know closely in your meditation. In fact, I might even go so far as to suggest that it's within the wandering experience that your mind starts to get into the really juicy topics and themes of your life. For example, your dreams, your anxieties, your fears, and your passions. So rather than trying to shut these wandering tendencies down, you might consciously intend to allow the wandering to go on. In this way, it will certainly be true that there will be pockets of time when your mind is unmoored, where you feel lost in something. But that's fine. Having allowed your mind to take flight in these topics, you are then able to retrospectively examine what came up. This can happen during the meditation, or it can happen after the formal meditation is over. For example, you might spend some time allowing yourself to think through your experience. Or you might journal about your experience, such as in the practice of recollective awareness meditation. This is Jason Siff's practice, and as he discusses in his book, Unlearning Meditation, learning can occur both during an experience and after an experience via a recollective process. In other words, you might gain more insight about the topics your mind wanders into after the formal meditation is over as you journal about them in hindsight. But don't be fooled. It takes time and can be a process in itself to learn to let the mind to do its thing during formal meditation. Old habits die hard, as they say. And if you come to a yin approach to practice with previous experience in more yang traditions, there will be a period of time whereby you literally see your mind going back and forth, toggling between phases of gentle receptivity and phases of buckling down on the breath or mantra or previously practiced technique. And this brings me to the theme of loops of practice. So let me try to unpack this a little bit. In any style of meditation, I'd like to suggest that there's a loop of practice, or at least a theoretical loop. So take this with a grain of salt. And this loop I'm about to describe is conceptual and a kind of map for understanding parts of the meditative process. Of course, a map is not the territory, and in real meditation practice, the experiences I'm about to describe are not nearly so neat or compartmentalized. That said, here's what I mean by the loop of practice. When you practice meditation, part of the loop that I'm referring to involves following the meditation instructions themselves. So for example, if the instruction is to watch the breath, one part of the meditative loop or cycle that you're in is simply that, being aware of the tactile sensations connected with the process of breathing. In other words, you're connected to what the instructions are pointing you to do. Another way of labeling this phase of the loop would be to call it the phase of following the instructions. However, another part of the loop of practice will be a phase when your mind is not performing the instruction. Typically, this is the phase of the loop that gets labeled as the wandering or lost phase. And it's the phase of the loop that you try to minimize in your practice, particularly when you're practicing the yang approach to meditation. At some stage during the practice, you'll become aware of not being with your breath or not following the instructions. This moment commences the awake and return phase of the loop. You are now awake again to real-time events, and you are usually encouraged 
to return to the main meditative instruction. That is observing the breath or doing whatever else the instruction is saying to do, whether it's watch the body or come to your mantra, etc. So a simple schemata of this meditation process would look like this. You watch the breath, then your mind gets lost, you realize you're lost, you become awake again, and then you return to the breath, repeating this cycle or loop over and over again. The vast majority of yang meditative styles are predicated on this meditative loop process. And for many, it's the awake again and return parts of the loop where frustration, discouragement, failure, and self-judgment all start to creep in. But what makes a yin approach to meditation truly different is that it explicitly allows for all phases of the loop to occur without exception. In other words, no phase is given priority. No phase of the loop is shunned or shamed. And not only are all phases of the loop allowed, but all aspects of the loop provide material for learning and development. In other words, nothing is wasted or problematic. All experiences, in the moment and after the fact, are, as they say in certain schools of Vipassana meditation, they're all grist for the mill, grist for the mill of wisdom. So by emphasizing relaxed receptivity towards your experience, by allowing the wanderer to wander, by tolerating all phases of the meditative loop, you will likely reduce unnecessary tension in your meditation, releasing yourself from unnecessary conflict, which is just so common. Okay, I'll stop there for now. In the next episode of Everyday Sublime, I'll look at practical considerations around staying still for time in meditation. I look forward to sharing that with you as always, with insights from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with the Everyday Sublime, please subscribe in iTunes. I left a link for you in the show notes, or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. And if you'd like to study or train in yin yoga with me, check out yinyogaschool.com. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.